Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bobblehead Podcast. Um, today, we uh, we had a topic, and we never really got to it, so we got to talking about uh, military leadership and uh, ex-military folks that could be coming into your organization or people you work with. And so uh, I had some questions for Davin, and he was really good about kind of answering those from his perspective being ex-military. And uh, so I, I think you'll get a lot out of this. So uh, um, listen up. Anyway, so uh, anyway, it's the whole thing. Got to make for some weird family reunions. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, how was your how, how was your weekend, Mister Clean? Yeah, it uh, it was a weekend full of, of wearing a, a uniform for the first time in a while. Um, spending down at Fort Hood doing some assessments and validations for some army courses that were going on. So, so do you do you put the uniform on before you go down there, or do you do it you wear civilian clothes in and then change? I usually wear civilian clothes down there and then change. Yeah. Because um, I hate, I've always hated this, like stopping at a, at a grocery store, gas station or something like that. And you go in and, it, and it's not that you're not appreciative, but the obligatory, like, thank you for your service. Like I, I've, it's always made me feel super awkward. So I try to just wear my uniform when I'm conducting my duties and don't wear them to post or from post or anything like that. It's like, get there, change, go to your thing, change, and then be a, be a normal person. Hmm. Cause like you don't know what to say. Like, and, and again, I'm always but when appreciative. You go, like, but when you go to Lowe's, you always wear your uniform. So you park in the front. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause how would they know? Right. I mean, it's like, how can I mean, after that me? one guy yelled at you, you kind of have to wear your, you almost have to be in full tactical gear yeah. to, to prove so that nobody questions you. It's like, I want to, I want to tell a vanilla version of that story. I don't. So can, we, can you, I think, I think so. Um, so this was, gosh, Tim, what was probably two and a half years ago. It was oh, a while yeah, ago. Yeah. And, and for those who don't know, Lowe's has, a handful of parking spots that are up close that are reserved for veteran or military parking. Mm -hmm. And which is great. Again, extremely appreciative of that. I don't take advantage of that stuff very often. I just, I've never have, right. I've always right. It's not who you are. just flown into the radar, silent professional. Like that's always been the way that it is, yeah. but it was before that big winter storm was coming. And I'm like, I, I needed a space heater. So like, I go, I park real fast. And this one, I had my Audi I park in that thing real fast. I jump out and here comes this guy. And he's like, yeah, granted, it's it's not just an Audi, right? I mean, it's a sure, yeah, it's an R's. It's, it's, it's an R's. Right? I mean, it's it's not right. something you would typically see. Sure, an ex-military person in that's yeah. just not usually right. right. Yeah, it's not like a 1996 Yukon or a Honda Odyssey or something like that, which you typically you see married military guys. That's super specific. I don't know how to. I don't know how to pigeonhole that, but go ahead. Anyway, this guy comes up and he's like, "Hey, are you sure you're supposed to be parking there?" And I looked at him and like part of my strength is my weakness. Like I have the ability, like things process very fast. Right. And oftentimes they hit the outlet before the filter is even oh, a yeah. thing. Right. They, and, they bypass the filter. And, but again, to be fair, and it's like my filter is like, it, it's designed to catch like whales, not minnows. It, right? it, sorry to say your filter is like chicken wire. <laughs> sure. At best. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, how about you go blank yourself? Yeah. What are you the blanking parking police? Yeah. And I just kept walking. Yeah. And I, I didn't do it. Okay. Not overtly to be rude, but I wanted to give him the most veteran response possible right? without having to validate his need to see some sort of ID that allowed mm -hmm. me to park there. Like, I don't right. owe that guy an explanation. Right. But again, like I let him, if he was a veteran, I promise you he knew in that moment that, that I was a veteran. Because yeah. I'm like, dude, leave me alone. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't do this often. Just let me go, let me go buy my damn space heater right. and, and leave. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was a so low was story. was there any other words spoken at that point? No, he didn't say a word. I, he probably stood there. I looked over my shoulder and he was just standing still like 
processing what had just happened. But there were nothing, not a word was said after that. Any, any scratches on your car when you got back or anything? Nope. Okay. Nope. You left a little sticker said, thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was, was he by chance carrying a, like a, a rucksack with American flag? Golly, on the, yeah, on like the back? a multi-cam. Or maybe, or maybe yeah. a flag sticking out of the top of it? Said like go ruck or something like that. Yeah, or just or the T-shirt that says, you know, kneel at the cross, stand at the Oh, goodness. It's like the, the whole military fanboy culture kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Like there's there's a special place in my heart for people like that. Yeah. I Yeah. Again. You, you do gravitate to, towards them, for sure. <laughs> just a different reason than probably people are thinking right now. Right? You know, yeah, thanks. Thanks for being here today. It's like, uh, it's been good. I think I'll talk to you guys later. Maybe never. Maybe never. Maybe never. Maybe <laughs> never. I, I just, it, there, and that's a whole different podcast, but I, I just, I don't. I've never identified with the thank yeah. you for my service. Yeah. I think it's one of the biggest weaknesses that the military builds in. I think it's one of the biggest disservices society's done for the military is the, the you know, hero worship. Bill Burr does a great bit on it. I don't know if you're a Bill Burr no, fan or not. I haven't. Hilarious. But I think after Have the, you guys seen it? Oh, my word. Look it up. It's brilliant. I think after the Vietnam stink, mm. I think it kind of, two people tried to reverse that. Sure. And, at, and, and I think at, you know, the after, well, I guess it was probably even, before it was, uh, I guess it was our first operation in, I guess we were first in Iraq, right? Yeah, Desert Storm, Desert Shield. I think, in the 90s. I think yeah, I think that was where people were like, okay, mm-hmm. we need to really get behind this, whether you agree with it or not, we need to get behind the people. Right. And I think because of that, that's where that kind of came from. So I think it's almost got to be where it's almost like race now. I don't want to get too deep in down the hole here, but it's like if I don't say something to you, then people will think that I, I'm anti-government or I'm anti-military, so I have to say that. So it's obligatory, yeah. right? So the world knows that I'm I'm support of the troops, and yeah. and again, understand. I, I it's much better. I know guys that have been on that side of Vietnam where they were spit on when they came back and yeah. had a hard time finding jobs, and mm-hmm. certainly appreciative of the inverse of that. Um, but what what it's done is it's created this lack of accountability mm. and in the veteran community and the military community, they, we get this misconception that we're going to step out and we're going to be heroes and the whole world's going to want to hire us because we're, we're yeah, soldiers. Right. And right. it's, it's allowed us as a community to project our lack of success outward rather than reflect on, on, on why it's not working for us. Yeah. Um, and I think it's getting better mm-hmm. because we're, we're starting to get some measure of accountability, like inside of the veteran community. But like what, what people have to realize is, you sign up for the military just like you sign up for a, a job and there's benefits that are promised to you as a result of your service, right? Mm-hmm. And if you take advantage of it, like I had my undergrad and an MBA paid for 100% by the military. Right. Um, I took advantage of an entitlement that I signed up to get. I didn't expect a dime, a cent, anything above and beyond that because that's not what I signed up to do. Right. Um, so it, it's, you know, veteran, you're veteran, whether you're not, it's standing on your own merit and taking accountability and responsibility for your own actions or inactions. Yeah. And it makes you feel so much better about the end state and the result when you do take ownership of it, mm-hmm. rather than thinking that the world either owes you something or if you didn't get something, then it's because the world's holding you down. Right. And, and you know, I think it probably a lot of it has to do with the mindset of going in, mm-hmm. right? If you're going, what are you expecting out of this? Um, you know, I, it, it's once again, I've never been through the recruiting process, so I, I couldn't tell you, but I think it would be interesting especially if I'm a kid and I don't really know what I want to do in life to look down the list and go, man, I'd love to do that. I'd love to learn how to do that. Work on jet engines or work on diesel tank engines, or I'd love to figure out how to do radar stuff or how to do encryption stuff or, and, and, and knowing that when I get out that I'm going to have 
some real world experience and then know where do I want to take that, right? Who, because as an employer, you know, when, when we look at hiring military people, there's not a, a ton of things you would learn in the military that would help our company, right? right? However, the mindset of how you work and the way you go about your job and the discipline that goes along with that are things that I am very excited right. when we interview someone that's ex-military. Because usually when you, you interview someone that's ex-military, they either have that or they don't. Mm-hmm. But there's usually no in-between. If you're getting that in the civilian world, someone that hasn't been in the military, man, you really never know kind of what, what you're going to get. So at least you know when you interview someone that's ex-military, it's pretty obvious really quick which one yeah. you have. It's that's one of the benefits that the military can can benefit you can benefit from in the military is that those intangibles, that leadership domain, mm-hmm. right? And the camaraderie domain and, and frankly, this idea of putting like of service, servant leadership, like putting the organization first, sometimes to a fault. Right. Um, and if you spend any considerable amount of time in the military and you buy into the esprit de corps and buy into the mission of whatever unit that you're serving with, then you're gonna have an opportunity to build that domain very, very high. Right. And there's a lot of benefits to that when you get out. But the problem is, and where most military guys run into trouble, military men and women run into trouble, is they don't backfill with the domain expertise. Like you mm. can be, is you can be the best leader in the world, but if you don't know how to, you know, be a PM, if you don't know, if you don't understand healthcare IT, and if you don't work voraciously either through on-the-job training or through you know post-secondary education to increase your do- your domain expertise, that's where you're going to run into trouble. Yeah. Because eventually, your your domain expertise has to be high enough mm-hmm. to where your there's not such a big gap between the intangibles, the leadership domain, and mm-hmm. the subject matter expertise domain. Yeah. And and we run into that. We're like, well, I'm going to step out. I'm going to be a project manager. It's like, do you even understand what that means? Right. Like the tenets of it. You right. get conceptually because again, we think everything is tied to leadership. Mm-hmm. Everything is tied to working hard. But you have to understand how to do the technical elements of the job that you're hired to do. Right. And, and, you know, if you do have that leadership, then all that does is help you deal with people and manage people better, which you won't always get that opportunity with with your first job. Yeah. But because you already have that, that's one of the things that's hard to teach just a professional non ex military person, what leadership looks like and how leadership works. And Whereas typically people in the military are used to leadership because it's a very distinct, clear of how it works, right? Yeah. And and you know those of us, those of us that aren't in the military, it's very much based on feeling if I deserve this and they shouldn't treat me that way. Yeah. And so military people are probably like, hey, that's just sometimes just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And so there's probably some disadvantages to both sides, um, especially in a small entrepreneurial company like us, where. You know, you know me. I I don't like the the corporate structure thing, um, but it's it's necessary. I get it. But you know, someone that's you know ex military, man, when they kind of saw when they kind of see my drawing and kind of what I illustrate what it looks like inside of a entrepreneurial company, it's man, it's, it's kind of shocks them a little bit because there's yeah, no yeah. so many things aren't clear. They're not black and white, and um, you know, some people don't do well with that. Yeah. I agree. And and what we look to see, what we look for as employers, I think is we want to see, we know that maybe their domain expertise is going to be a little low, but we want to see the tenacity and the work effort and ethic associated with that military service that's going to give them the fire in their belly to be able to overcome that. And I think the guys and the the gals that can do that are are something that's going to be really special in the, uh, in the civilian workforce, because you're applying the same tenets that made you successful in the military to the, to the civilian um, sector 
and it's 90%, 80% the same. And so if you, if you have the ability to be successful in the military, you have the ability to be successful in the civilian sector. So we've kind of gone off, gone off on this. And so it's going to just be our topic for today. If that's cool with you. Oh yeah, let's go. Um, so what would you, what would you tell someone that is either a manager or an entrepreneur or someone that is over other people? How would you um, incorporate someone that's ex-military into when you're interviewing them and you see they're a great candidate and you bring them in, what are some things they need to be aware of or seeing some things to look for um, if you're hiring someone that's out of the military? So you're in terms of just how to incorporate them and how to integrate them or yeah, just, what, what's different? Like, you know, if someone's hired a ton of like before, I guess really a long, I'm trying to think who the first ex-military employee we had. Um, I think it was probably Ron. Okay. Who, who's retired now for us. He was probably my first ex-military hire um and before that was was nobody so you know i didn't even really know he was ex-military until we got talking but if someone's hiring someone they know they're ex-military is there anything that they would want to know that they need to know before they come in of a how to get the most out of them b um is there going to be something different about how they manage that person okay i i think People that are leaving the military, especially if they've if they've been there for you know more than eight years, I think is a pretty good threshold. Is they're going to expect, and they're going to thrive for the most part with, with structure, mm-hmm. right? If you think about how even as a senior NCO, like your day is pretty well structured, and and you know what's going to come next at certain points in time. And again, there's there's always flexibility that comes along with it, but military lives their life according to a pretty rigid schedule, and so stepping into a company that has objectives, that has feedback, that has those mechanisms to let them know how to be successful, but also if they're, if they're being successful or if they're missing the mark is going to be incredibly important. And what you're going to find a lot of times is it's going to be too much rigidity. Mm -hmm. The person's going to have too much. And and even the most structured civilian company can feel like it's a little bit loose. Right. And that's okay because the, the civilian company shouldn't, overstructure itself to compensate for one person, but what it's provide that structure, get it in place, but expect and mentor that military person to be able to loosen up an extent to be able to fit inside of that culture. Um, I think, and we've seen it, we tend to overcompensate. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my goodness, I have a military service member coming in. Like we need to make sure that we're doing this, right? When the reality of it is you have the mission of the company, you have the objectives of the company, you have the vision of the company, and you need to find people that have the ability to fit inside of that, mm-hmm. regardless of their background. Right. Um, so expect them to come in and be rigid at first, almost to the point of being tense. Right. Right. And sir, ma'am, you know, things that are very structured. Mm-hmm. But over time, if you give them the feedback the right way, you're going to see them loosen up a little bit. You're going to see them mold to your program, to your vision, to your mission, to your objectives, and should be able to thrive in it. And, and that's one of the things that's been interesting um, is, you know, better, you know, get more, I get to know you, the better I understand kind of how that side of your brain works sometimes mm-hmm. is you keep saying mission. And that's one of the things that, you know, in the civilian world, we don't talk a lot about. And, um, you know, since you've been here, we talk a lot about what is our mission as a company, right? What, what is our ultimate goal? What's the why behind what we do? And that's what in, in the, in the civilian world, you know, what's your why is a big deal. People mm-hmm. ask that, what's your why? Why do you do this in the first place? And, you know, one of the cool things is that, and, and you're good about this is, you know, you will, you will let some of the details in, in every day of not worrying too much about the little things in order to accomplish what we need to accomplish for the mission. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, it's hard to keep 
it's hard to keep civilian folks like me focused on the mission when I'm focused about my job or what, what's going to be better for me or um, how do we deal with this? We just got to get through this or man, I'm just trying to make it to the weekend or, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just a different mentality of, you know, all the, we're doing all of these things in order to meet this mission where, you know, most people deal with, man, just tell me what to do. Yeah. Tell me what to do and I'll go do my job. And they go home and they forget about it and they come back the next day. And, and it seems like a lot of folks that are military, it's even though they leave work, they're still thinking about the mission. Yeah. And, and that's good and bad. Um, but was that, is that accurate? And how, how would you do that? So, so think about it this way. You know, a lot of civilian companies that tend to lack the mission, they find themselves walking towards the horizon, which is mm -hmm. a Dan Sullivan concept that, that you actually taught me, mm -hmm. the gap and gain concept, right? right? Um, and if you take that over to a military application, let's say that you have a ranger platoon that's overseas and you have a mission to seize this objective and there's bad guys on the objective and the ultimate end state has to be success on the battlefield, right? If you were to make that mission and the commander's intent ambiguous, the consequences of that would be catastrophic, right? Mm -hmm. You're talking about the guys that are in first squad don't know how, where they're supposed to be going or what they're supposed to be doing. And so, you know, there's friendly fire and people end up dying, right? And it's, it's a bit of a dramatic application to it, but when you take it over to a civilian application is having a strong mission and having a strong vision in place for an organization, it directionalizes the company, okay? And even back over to the military application is, you know, first squad's going to be, you know, the, they're going to be the main effort. They're going to be the, 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 the um, assault one, right? And there's going to be SOPs, the way that each squad does things in accordance with doctrine because they know each other. They all function a little bit different. Their brains fire a little bit different. And so they figure out the nuances and how to apply that in the way that works best for them. 80-20, 80, 80% mm -hmm. doctrine, 20% SOP and common sense. Apply that back over to the civilian workforce. We try to proceduralize 80% of the job, right? Mm -hmm. So our PMs know that when, you know, there's a customer escalation, 80% of the 80% of it, they know what to do because that's our SOP. That's our internal doctrine as an right. organization. But what we don't do is teach them how to how to specifically think in one given situation. Adrian is different than Mark. Mark right. is different than Bill. Right. We proceduralize as much as we can. So we allow them to maximize the 20% of their creative brain right. to apply their skills in the way that works best for them. Understanding that the ultimate end state, the commander's intent mm -hmm. is happy customers. Right. Yeah. I like that. So I'm going to give one final example on this, but before I do, I think there was an army Navy game this weekend. Yeah, there was. What do you remember? Did you see that? Did you see what happened? Yeah, I did. In fact, I text you something that we can't even repeat on the air. No, we but can't. I was, I was a little bit excited about you were. army winning. It, it's, we talked about it this morning. It's like freezing time. Yeah. It's like watching 1910 football. It's just cool. It's like it's like early nineteen seventies University of Texas football. Yeah. Wishbone. Yeah. You know, run Notre and, Dame versus Pitt. Yeah. Nineteen like fifteen. Yeah. 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 So, but one of the things that was cool that that kind of caught me off guard is at the end of the game they always go through and they interview the coaches, right? So they'll come up and stick a microphone, especially the winning coach. And so you know they come up to the Army coach and they stick a microphone in his face and like, hey, tell me about the game. And he's like, oh, so and so, this is the kind of game. He kind of gives a his quick take sure. and rundown on how the game went. And they were like, okay, great. Thanks, coach. Congratulations. And his last words as he runs off and he screamed it was, beat Navy. Mm -hmm. And so um, it kind of threw me for a minute. So I'm like, dude, you just beat Navy. But yet, you know, all year long up on, up on the walls, up on the posters, at the end of probably every break, at the end of, you know, every single practice, you know, 
uh, one, two, three, you know, whatever. It, I can imagine that's the big game of the year, right? And so when it comes time to play Navy or Navy plays Army, it's that's that's the battle cry. It's beat Army or beat Navy. And so even after that game, he was like, yelled that beat Navy. And I'm like, man, that is a clear focus year round. That is the one thing. Cause those guys on Navy, there was guys like balling their eyes out. Yeah. And this is the, they worked four years and they joined to go beat army. That was what they joined this team to do. And uh, so it was just really, to me, that was really cool. Cause it was, it was a very clear function of, Hey, we're not going to BCS. We know we're, that's not our goal. Our goal is to represent the army and to beat Navy. That's what we do. And it was very clear, very decisive, and he was already getting ready for next year. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool to have something that's like that deeply seated in your belief system, right? I think it's on their their bumper plates on their in their weight room is beat Navy. Oh, I love that. You know, something yeah. that somebody can that that a group of disparate humans from all different walks of life can come together and and operate under one cause for four years, and that's yeah. beat Navy. Yeah, you know, and understanding that eventually they're going to work side by side, potentially on the battlefield with some of those guys. Yeah, and it, it's not going to weaken the camaraderie as a result of it, but their purpose at West Point and at Annapolis is, mm -hmm. is to beat army or beat Navy. Yeah. And it's, it's their sole guiding purpose. And yeah. you know, when you boil it down, it's, it's really simplistic, but man, it's powerful. It really is. You know, I, you know, if, if when things, when you make it that clear, when you go to work every day, go to practice or whatever, that's what we're going to talk about yeah. is we've got to get better because we have a game coming up. Oh, is it the first game of the season? No, it's the last game of the season. And that's what we're prepping for. All these other games, all these are practice games, with that game you know it's a lot like uh you know texas ou mm -hmm. is you know those guys man they can they can win two games and be on a terrible season but if they beat ou if texas beats ou texas coach is clear for the next year he's yep. safe and vice versa i mean that's man if you beat ou or you beat texas then you your season's made yeah so it's, it's very similar it, it is. And I've been to Texas OU. And then I also, the next game after that, I went to Army Air Force. And Army Air Force, Army Navy is not really the same thing because mm -hmm. Army and Navy both know that like the Air Force is basically a civilian corporation. But <laughs> there, there is a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of rivalry that comes along with it too. But the, the way that they interact with each other, even the fans from the opposing teams, yeah. when the service academies play each other, it's so gentlemanly like in yeah. in there is a strong rivalry but it, there there's a shared understanding that comes along with it mm -hmm. that you just don't see with like yeah. truly like hated rivalries yeah it was so cool there everybody see their and i don't know what you call those but like all they had you know it's cold probably it was in philly i think is where the game was yeah but they all have their you know they all look the same they're all in their in their you know uh gray kind of overcoats i don't know what you call those but yeah, whatever they are but i mean everybody was wearing the same stuff and it's like they're these are dress up uniforms for them to go see the game of the year. And I thought that was really cool. It's like, I miss, you look back at, you look at like at old pictures from these small towns and even bigger cities back in the early 1920s. And everybody wore a suit yeah. every day. If you went into town and you were dressing up, you, you flew on an airplane back in the 50s, you wore a suit because that was something special. Sunday best, if yeah. you're traveling somewhere and you're on a cruise ship, whatever, you're dressing up. And, uh, you know, there's something to that. And I, I'm glad that I don't have to do that every day, but there's something to that. And I kind of miss those days. Yeah. And again, that's another element of how that rivalry is kind of frozen in time. Yeah. The way that they dress, the way that they interact, the way that they act in general. Um, just, it's different. So this isn't all what we, what we started to talk no. about today. And so 
but I thought it's been interesting and thank you for sharing insights into yeah. that. And hopefully the listeners can get something out of that. Cause you either work with someone that's ex military or you will, you know, at some point in time. And, um, uh, you know, that end of the day, they're no different than us. I just, they've been led differently than maybe you have. And so, uh, just take that into account. It's, yeah. a, it's important to understand that. And, you know, as we, as humans and, and coworkers, you know, dive into our careers, you know, working with other people is the key to meeting that mission, right? So the team that you have around you all working towards one mission is important. The more that you understand that person and you understand what makes them tick and you understand what motivates them and understands their why, the better you're going to be able to utilize them to work towards that mission, whether that be your mission or the team's mission or whatever it is. So, you know, that's why these things are important. Yeah. And, and I firmly believe in mentorship and, and I've been fortunate enough to work with a lot of transitioning or transition veterans. And, you know, I, I say this and I truly mean it, that if you're somebody that's transitioned or is in the transitioning process and you want to have a conversation with somebody who did it, find me on Instagram or LinkedIn or Twitter. If you send me a message, I promise I'll reply. I always do. And I don't have all the answers, but I've been through it. And uh, I would love to share my insight and experience to help the transitioning veteran do it better. Is there another word that we can use in today's climate other than transitioning? <laughs> um, leaving the service. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably, yeah, yeah that's probably a better thing to end probably. up with. Yeah. So you first said that and it kind of threw me for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> transitioning from certain, no, <laughs> beat Navy. Sorry. I... <laughs> <laughs> that's a dang good way to end, man. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Thanks. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs>